Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Just a quick heads up today's episode talks about sexual violence. We're also recording on 4th of July evening, and I happen to live in a neighborhood that is very festive where folks really enjoy their illegal fireworks. So, we will do our best to have the sound not sound like I'm recording in a place where fireworks are going off every couple of seconds, but I am recording in a place where fireworks are going off every few seconds. So just keep that in mind. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I wanted to talk to a topic that I've been dying to cover for a very long time. It's also a little bit controversial. You know, I have made episodes about everything involving 
white supremacists, QAnon cultists, big name companies who have asked me to cease and desist talking about them. You name it. However, this is still one of the only topics that I have been a little bit worried about diving into because I know folks have really strong opinions about it. So to help me talk through today's topic, I am joined by There Are No Girls on the Internet producer and chief science officer, Mike. Producer Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I can be here to help make this episode. Me too. Me too. Did you do anything fun for 4th of July? Nothing too exciting. Just hanging out in my apartment, listening to the constant fireworks outside. I feel it's like a new thing the past couple of years that fireworks just start around noon and then go until midnight. And uh, and I'm here for it. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty exciting. Not the best conditions for recording a podcast, but we'll make it work. So I know that you are a fan of podcasts where the hosts kind of revisit a story about a public figure, usually a woman like Monica Lewinsky or Courtney Love, and point out all of the unfair ways that this person has been maligned by society and the media. And we all kind of have this public reckoning about the ways that the media can be unfair or sexist or all around harmful. I love podcasts like that. And Mike, I know that you do as well. It's true. I think it's a great format. I think uh, it really works well with the classic podcast dynamic of like one person explaining, one person listening. And I also think that it's uh, a format for which there's many great examples because, uh, you know, society just loves to smear and besmirch a woman. So I love podcasts like that as well. But I want to be very clear, this episode is not going to be one of those podcast episodes, even though I am the person who did all the research and I will be explaining the situation to you, Mike. So it's a little bit like those. But today, we are not trying to sort of demonstrate the way that the media unfairly maligns somebody. We are zeroing in on one specific misleading claim about none other than Lena Dunham. I am in no way making a larger point about the way that the media and society has portrayed her broadly, but I do want to zero in on this one specific claim and analyze how it became to be this very sticky, persistent lie that still endures online today and what that lie says about our culture. Yeah, so why Lena Dunham? Why this one specific thing? Great question. So a little bit of background about how I came to be making this episode. I used to work on the social media team at MSNBC.com, and one of our kind of tried-and-true digital engagement tricks was to post about someone, a public figure, that we knew our audience would engage with, positive or negative. This is back in 2015, and our audience used to love to hate on Putin. And so whenever we posted something about Putin that, posted, that cast him in a negative light— we could always expect that people would really engage with it a lot. They'd be leaving like mean comments like, yeah, we hate him. They, they love to hate on Putin. But hands down, no question, the public figure that got the most hate on all of our social media pages was Lena Dunham. I think if I'm recalling correctly, I think people disliked Lena Dunham more than they disliked Putin, which is really saying something. And I, used, I worked on this podcast project where Lena Dunham was one of our guests, and again, you know, we had posted episodes with all different types of public figures and celebrities. But when we posted our Lena Dunham episode, 
It was instant, unanimous, negative feedback. And so I noticed whenever we would publish about her or post about her or feature her online, commenters would always repeat like a laundry list of reasons they don't like her. You know, sometimes it would be the garden variety things that you would expect, like, oh, she's a spoiled brat, I hate her. Or, you know, oh, she's gross, which is pretty much just kind of fat phobia. But by far, the most common thing I would see commenters say about Lena Dunham online was this particularly persistent claim that she's a, quote, sexual predator who admitted to molesting her younger sibling. And, you know, I'm always very interested in what I refer to as sticky pieces of disinformation or misinformation or lies, you know, things that really just seem to cut through and persist. You know, I'm very interested in why these things stick and to what end and what their stickiness tells us about our culture. And in that regard, you know, this misleading claim about Lena Dunham is fascinating to me because I think it tells us a lot about the ways that our political and social climates intersect, which is particularly important in today's climate. And I just want to make it super, super clear because I can already hear people who are listening thinking, why are you defending Lena Dunham? She's awful. You know, what are you doing? Let me be very clear. There are plenty of valid reasons to not rock with Lena Dunham, some of which we'll be talking about in this episode. So this is not me trying to get anyone to think that Lena Dunham is good, or it is not me saying that every single claim about her is unfair or untrue. But the claim that she sexually abused her sibling, I believe, is a pretty nasty thing to repeat about somebody. And I don't know that people who repeat this particularly nasty lie know that it initially started as a right-wing attack on a prominent liberal voice. But because of Lena Dunham's overall, I guess we'll say, vibe, this claim has really taken root, not just in right-wing circles, but more generally, too. Like, people who I believe probably would never read a right-wing blog, uh, you know, for any legitimate reason— should probably be aware that they are repeating a lie that was really cooked up in the right-wing blogosphere. And I think that should be really concerning. I think the ways that this claim has sort of become true, that's scare quotes around that, and has persisted for so long should really be concerning for all of us. So let's talk about how and why that happened and what it means. So for people like me who don't really know anything about this, uh, Who is Lena Dunham? So if you don't know who Lena Dunham is, I will give you kind of a quick and dirty summary of her background. Lena Dunham is an actor, producer, and writer. She's the daughter of visual artist Lori Simmons, who is a very big deal in the art world because her art is incredible. Lena rose to fame after making a really strong film debut called Tiny Furniture, which is basically a semi-autobiographical movie about a young woman portrayed by Lena who just graduated from college and is trying to navigate adulthood. Lori Simmons, her real-life mom, plays her mom in the movie. And in the movie, her mom is also a visual artist and photographer who stages these uh, pe- stages her pieces with tiny dollhouse furniture, just like her mom does in real life. And Lena's real-life sibling, Cyrus Grace, plays Lena's character sibling in the movie, too. So it's very semi-autobiographical. In 2012, she created and starred in HBO's Girls, which also explores kind of similar themes young white women trying to navigate young adulthood post-college in Brooklyn, New York. Lena was born in 1986, so she is what you would call a millennial. And when Girls was debuting, it was kind of peak, like, what are the millennials up to content time, right? And so Girls was this huge success pretty early on. 
it got a lot of criticism for how white the show was because just like shows like Sex and the City and Friends before it, it's just for white people who are not really encountering a lot of diversity that I know that you would find in a city like Brooklyn, New York. But regardless, positive, negative, whatever you thought, it was the kind of show that people were talking about a lot. Like, it was in the discourse, which I think creates a certain kind of gravitas around anything. And just as a side note, in case you're curious, I actually watched and enjoyed the show. I'm not going to sit here and act like I have not seen every episode, or I am not going to sit here and act like I did not immediately go to AV Club to read reviews immediately after watching episodes. Because, like I said, it was part of a discourse. You know, the show created discourse, and I will never deprive myself of discourse, okay? If people are talking about something, if there's articles and reviews to be read, I'm reading them. I'm engaging. So Girls explores themes of sexuality, gender, and female friendship, and its highly anticipated third season comes out in January 2014. Now, in September of that same year, Lena releases a memoir essay collection called Not That Kind of Girl. Lena was having a really hot moment, and so the book was a highly anticipated one. Random House purchased the rights in October 2012 after a big bidding war, and bidding was reported to have risen past $3.5 million dollars. So it's one of those very hot, very big deal book publishing projects. This was all happening against the backdrop of a particular climate politically, culturally, and socially in the mid-2010s. If I had the ability to clear music rights on this podcast, which my producer Tari can tell you I bug her about pretty much every day, this is where we'd be playing like maybe Katy Perry's Roar or Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, you know, some other 2010 hit to really set the scene. Mike, do you, what, what were some other like 2010 hits? Like hits of the 2010s? Oh, Rihanna, man. maybe? Rihanna was in there. I feel like Tame Impala was in there. Maybe I'm getting a little like late 2010s. So just imagine that some some kind of music from that era is playing as I paint a portrait of what it was like in the mid-2010s. So in popular culture, the film 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture at the Oscars in 2014, which was hosted by openly gay Ellen DeGeneres and was the most watched Oscars since the year 2000. By 2014, waves of states are passing marriage equality legislation. The Supreme Court decides not to hear cases on marriage equality appeals, thus immediately legalizing marriage equality in Virginia, Utah, Indiana, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin, before it sent back to the courts and ultimately legalized nationwide a year later. The Black Lives Matter movement started in 2013 and was really picking up. You had the shooting deaths of Trayvon Martin in Florida, Mike Brown in Missouri, and Eric Garner in New York. And the subsequent uprisings all over the country shows that this movement has real momentum and really it creates a national conversation that is basically impossible to ignore. You'll remember that when President Obama was asked about Trayvon Martin, he answered, if I had a son, he would look a lot like Trayvon Martin. Obama gave a televised speech announcing his plans to use executive action to grant citizenship to about 4.4 million immigrants. So I have my own feelings about Obama's immigration policies, which is a podcast for another day. But the point is, Republicans and right-wingers absolutely fucking hated this. We also get Obamacare in 2010, and for the next few years, Republicans were fighting it tooth and nail, including Obamacare's birth control coverage mandate. Mike, do you remember that Georgetown law student and feminist activist Sandra Fluke? Boy, I'd forgotten, but now it's coming back to me. What was the deal with Sandra Fluke? Why did we know her name? 
So in 2012, Sandra Fluke was barred from testifying about birth control during a hearing, and instead, the only people who testified about birth control was an all-male panel of clergy. And then Rush Limbaugh called Sandra Fluke a slut, basically just for advocating for birth control. You know, these were the times where the phrase, we were using the phrase, quote, war on women a lot. Like, that was a phrase that we were using, which I think captured something about what it was like to live through that era. And But in a way, kind of almost seems quaint now when you look at everything else that is sort of going on. It does seem quaint now. I remember that war on women phrase and boy, if uh, we thought that was a war on women, buckle up for 2022. (laughs) It's funny because I wanted to do this episode because I thought it was like a little bit of a departure from everything happening in the news. But it's so funny how it all it always comes back to this, you know. I feel like every time I look backwards to the period like 5, 10, 15 years ago, I'm confronted with how quaint my concerns felt and how the things I was alarmed about seem so much smaller than the things that are just like normal shit in the news today. Oh my God, tell me about it. Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and make sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. 
The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash no girls and enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash no girls code no girls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay, they can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. So we're talking about this war on women. But back in 2014, you also have Beyonce performing in front of the word feminist in giant letters like decked out in lights at the MTV VMAs paired with a sample of Chimamanda Ngozi Odichie's speech on feminism and expectations for women and girls. We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. And this, I remember this. I remember coming into work the next day after this aired, and it felt like a big cultural moment for women and feminism. You know, I think I've been a fem. I've identified like vocally as a feminist for most of my life since I was a, a child. But I think for a lot of people, when you were asked like, "Are you a feminist?" it was something you had to be a little bit wishy washy about. And I feel like this moment with Beyonce, it, it felt like a cultural moment where people wanted to say it with their whole chests. Country pop sensation Taylor Swift famously came out as a feminist in 2014 in an interview with The Guardian where she credits her friend, none other than Lena Dunham, with her feminist awakening. And I guess my point is this. This era really feels like a time where things like progressivism and diversity and feminism are becoming increasingly mainstream and that they're becoming attached with a kind of social currency. You know, it's not cool to be aligned with old men dragging their feet and blocking marriage equality or calling college girls sluts for wanting to be on birth control. None of that is cool. But what is cool is being a feminist. It's cool to be a feminist. It's cool to be an ally. And in 2014, Lena Dunham was a huge part of this climate. So culturally, Lena Dunham's hit show Girls and her writing explores, you know, themes of sexuality and gender in these really frank ways. So that alone, you know, creating work that posits that young women have an interiority that is worthy of serious exploration and respect is a thing that is really taking off in the culture. You know, Lena Dunham is not a size four, and yet she is nude on screen and has these sex scenes. She does a really great job of highlighting the sort of humor and awkwardness that can accompany exploring your sexuality when you're young. You know, what she's doing on screen, it feels a little bit daring. After the success of Girls, Lena starts Lenny Letter, a feminist newsletter, 
where, you know, you have celebrities getting really, really raw, but also talking about feminist issues. You know, you have Jennifer Lawrence writing about the gender pay gap in Hollywood and Kesha writing about her abuse at the hands of her producer, Dr. Luke. This also translates politically. Lena positions herself as a vocal feminist and a champion for feminist causes. Another familiar trip down memory lane, back around 2014, Planned Parenthood was facing a lot of BS political attacks. Mike Pence was not just someone who was being threatened with hanging and a gallows by his own constituents. Back then, he was the governor of Indiana, and he made attacking Planned Parenthood and threatening to defund Planned Parenthood part a big part of his whole overall thing. And we also had these deceptively edited sting videos from anti-abortion extremists. You know, they would do things like have somebody dress up like a pimp and then go in with women to a Planned Parenthood and try to get services. Basically, right-wing types were really trying to make Planned Parenthood and abortion and the kinds of exploration of sexuality and gender that Lena really does in her work. They were really trying to brand that as something toxic that nobody would want to be affiliated with. Only it wasn't really working. Isn't it funny how Mike Pence built his whole career on, like, attacking people and making people seem like evil villains? And then he arguably rode out his career with members of his own party chanting to hang him. Uh, You know, isn't that funny that uh, you reap what you sow? You know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. You live by the ginned up outrage. You die by the gallows. <laughs> so in the wake of all these attacks on Planned Parenthood, Lena becomes the face of a campaign to fight back called Women Are Watching. She designs a hot pink shirt that says Lena loves Planned Parenthood in support of Planned Parenthood, and she gets other A-list celebrities like America Ferreira and Gabrielle Union to join in. Lena made this kind of cheeky, kind of wink-wink ad for the DNC in support of Obama in 2012. Your first time shouldn't be with just anybody. You want to do it with a great guy. It should be with a guy with beautiful... Someone who really cares about and understands women. A guy who cares whether you get health insurance and specifically whether you get birth control. It was funny. Yeah. So it's playful. It's kind of funny. It's a little edgy. Uh, So probably unsurprisingly, right-wing types did not like this ad. Ben Shapiro, who, remember that name because he will be important later, said that the ad mocked versions His whole screed about the ad is pretty amazing. So he writes in Breitbart, So Lena chose to do it for the first time with Barack Obama since he, quote, cares about and understands women. In fact, he understands them so well that he exploits them for insane commercials comparing losing your virginity with voting. Obama has young daughters, but that didn't stop him from releasing this commercial because this is what Obama thinks of your daughters. This is Obama's official campaign ad paid for with his campaign money distributed by his campaign. If this ad were any more demeaning to women who apparently care only about having sex, if you listen to Lena, you want to do it, Dunham, it should be produced by Bill Maher and star Bill Clinton. Oh, wait, that's Obama's actual campaign. According to Barack Obama, this campaign isn't about the economy or foreign policy. 
It's about free birth control as advocated by unbelievably wealthy celebrities. If Obama goes any smaller in this campaign, we're going to need a microscope to find him. Ugh, I'm it's so sorry. over the top. I just need a minute to choke down this vomit. It comes up anytime <laughs> Ben Shapiro's words appear. It's he's, you. You mentioned that he's going to be important later. When is that? Like twenty, twenty, twenty-five, twenty thirty. When will he be important? We're still waiting. I'm sure he's still waiting. I'm sure he's been waiting his whole life to feel important. So they did not like Lena's Obama ad in 2012. And it actually, I find it so interesting how Shapiro uses Lena's involvement to really shrink the issue of birth control coverage. Like, it is simultaneously a small issue that is so small that it's unbecoming of Obama to align himself with. And it is also an issue that the right wing was actively exploding and melting down over, you know, holding hearings about it and making it a huge deal. So, you know, the math isn't really mathing on that one. Like, which one is it? Is it so inconsequential that nobody should ever care about it? Or is it this huge issue that you need to hold a million hearings about? You know, which one? That's such a good observation. I never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. It's like so consistent with their whole hypocrisy thing where on the one hand when they're on the attack like oh it's so inconsequential it's insulting to even bring up the concept of birth control and then you know flip the screen and the only thing that matters is uh, abortion restrictions and preventing women from having abortions it's like two sides of the same coin but like one side is life or death for society and the other side is like trivial and brass. Yeah, it's almost like some of these folks are not genuine actors. It sounds like some of them are completely disingenuous. Yeah, it does seem almost like that. I mean, (laughs) that can't be it. There's got to be something more. I'll keep thinking about it. Keep thinking on it. More after a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. 
So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's get right back into it. Anyway, so at this point, Lena is really proving herself to be somebody with a certain kind of cultural cachet with millennial young women and somebody who seems to really know how to leverage it for, you know, big D democratic causes in a way that actually cuts through. Like, even though right wingers did not like that ad, people talked about it. People wrote about it. So lover or hater, Lena Dunham knows how to wield her own specific kind of political, social and cultural power. And the vibe around that is that it's cool to care about politics and it's cool to care about feminism. Importantly, this is actually largely a phenomenon on the left. There aren't really a lot of cool, young, culturally relevant political celebrities on the right in the same kind of way. Not to go on too much of a tangent, but for a long time, people, myself included, assumed that Taylor Swift was a silent right winger because she pretty much never spoke up about politics. In interviews, when she was asked if she was a feminist, she would say things like, oh, I don't call myself a feminist because I never believed in men versus women. But her friendship with Lena Dunham gets Taylor to be this loud and proud feminist who actually speaks up about politics after a decade of staying quiet. And it's basically almost like a right-wing boogeyman come to life. You know, your sweet, blonde, conservative, country-loving young woman will become corrupted by a tattooed feminist with green hair and will be pulled into identifying as a liberal feminist. So, you know, say what you will about Lena Dunham. That is a certain type of cultural power and homegirl knows how to use it. And, you know, when it comes to the culture, 
it was people like Lena Dunham who had the relevance. And I can see how this would be really threatening to right-wing types who historically have had a lot of political power, but they aren't cool, they're not young or hip, and that is a problem for them. So all of this is the backdrop on which a website called Truth Revolt comes to exist. And to understand this misleading claim that Lena Dunham sexually abused her sibling and where it comes from, we have to first start by talking about Truth Revolt. Wait, so I was following along the whole way, but all of a sudden, now we're talking about a website called Truth Revolt? What is Truth Revolt? Truth Revolt is a right-wing website that was launched on October 7, 2013. According to C-SPAN, Truth Revolt is a politically conservative media watchdog and activist group founded by conservative commentators Ben Shapiro and David Horowitz of the David Horowitz Freedom Center as a counterpoint to the politically progressive Media Matters for America. Yes, Ben Shapiro is the same person who wrote that breathless piece about Lena's 2012 ad for Obama. And side note, a lot of y'all probably know Ben Shapiro. He is pretty famous for being, you know, he's young. I think he's 38 now. He's pretty famous for being this right-wing media figure, and he's been at it since he was 17. I personally just find him awful. Like, the fact that I'm even talking about him on this show is slightly annoying to me because I just, like, don't like talking about him. You know, I think one of the reasons why I dislike him so much is because his whole thing is culture war stuff, right? And so he's the guy with a huge platform complaining about Disney making a woke remake or something like that. Or, you know, he's the person who's always complaining about culture because culture tends to be a space where, you know, people who are traditionally marginalized can have a little power and have a little bit of a voice. And so he's constantly complaining about culture. The thing that always comes to mind when I think about Ben Shapiro, I will always associate him with trying to lead a moral crusade against Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's Song of the Summer, Wet Ass Pussy, and kind of self-owning himself by saying that the only reason... So he says, oh, I'm married to a doctor... I talked to my doctor wife and she assures me that the only reason that a woman would have a WAP is if she had a vaginal infection, which is just hysterical. I think about it all the time and laugh. Yeah, it's the funniest thing about him. It's the only thing I think about when I think about him. It like perfectly summarizes his whole culture war thing where uh, there was like a video. I, I don't even think it was really edited of him like doing spoken word of the lyrics of that WAP song. Uh, and then him like commenting about, yeah, exactly. He said how his wife who apparently is a medical doctor saying that the only reason it might happen is because of an infection. It was sad and shocking. And I almost feel like, like he was setting us up, but like, it's just too much humility. I think it's, it just truly is that embarrassing for him. Yeah, I if folks have not seen so the video that you're talking about, I definitely watched it a hundred times. He is reading the lyrics on his show in disgust. And so he's reading the lyrics to Wet Ass Pussy, but then somebody li- and I think he's trying to demonstrate like this song is so immoral and like this is what our girls are listening to and yada yada yada. But then somebody, somebody puts it to a beat. Somebody puts it to the WAP beat and it kind of slaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious like look it up i, I I'll, I'll link it to, i'll link it in the show notes because i i watch it it's given me great joy i'll put it that way 
Yeah, and I think it's the the best way to really understand Ben Shapiro as a person and as a man. Exactly. And obviously, this is, it sounds so silly, and it is silly, but it's also really important to this particular story because turning culture into a political battleground is a big part of how we got here with this one persistent claim about Lena Dunham. So Truth Revolt's mission page states that its goals are to, quote, unmask leftists in the media for who they are, destroy their credibility with the American public, and devastate their funding bases. So essentially, Truth Revolt was created, per the co-creator David Horowitz's own mission statement, to manipulate media for political means. Here's what he wrote on the site. The media win elections for the left. It's not the left's competence in office. Leftists have demonstrated none. It's not the left's ideas. Leftist ideas have failed everywhere they've been tried. The left wins for one simple reason. Leftists control the information distribution system in the United States. And they use that system to pillory conservatives, heartless bigots intent on harming the poor and targeting minorities. The media must be destroyed where they stand. That is our mission at Truth Revolt. The goal of Truth Revolt is simple. Unmask leftists in the media for who they are, destroy their credibility with the American public, and devastate their funding basis. Truth Revolt focuses on high-profile media members and holding them accountable. Truth Revolt also seeks to stop the left dead in its tracks when it comes to training the next generation on our college campuses. Truth Revolt works to make advertisers and funders aware of the leftist propaganda they sponsor and bringing social consequences to bear to create pressure on such advertisers and funders. So pretty obviously from their own statement, Truth Revolt specifically is looking to, quote, unmask leftists and target specific leftist public figures in the media to make them toxic for brands and funders to be associated with. And they're kind of modeling themselves after places like Media Matters for America, who monitor disinformers and bad actors and extremists like Tucker Carlson and Steve Bannon to pressure advertisers to drop them. Um, They're also specifically focused around winning over young people like college students who we know are Lena Dunham's biggest audience demographic. So obviously, I think it goes without saying that Truth Revolt is not just some, you know, run-of-the-mill media outlet reporting the facts. From their own statement, they are a right-wing outlet with a political axe to grind. They are out for vengeance. They are out to dismantle people, take them down by their own admission. This idea that, like, leftists are supported by this great funding apparatus. I know so many broke-ass leftists. (laughs) You're talking about me. (laughs) Separating them from their funding is, like, not even a thing, like... So many of them are broke, you know, like where, what is this like big leftist funding in the media that they're talking about? Like, I mean, nothing that they say is accurate. You know, they say that like, oh, the media is a tool like the media, like that, the idea that he, that that the that mainstream media is a tool propping up leftist agendas it's just, I mean, it's such an unserious claim. I don't find it worthy of a retort. It's just, it's just like, you can just read the newspaper in the wake of the fall of Roe, read the newspaper in the New York Times today. They, I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but yes, it, it's such an unserious claim that it's not even worthy of a response. Yeah, it's, it's like ludicrous. It's like, who, who owes the media? We've got, you know, NBC, you know, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Like, these, these are not leftist people. 
No, it's it's horseshit. Okay, so you might be wondering, this website sounds sketchy as hell, but what does it have to do with Lena Dunham? Well, the claim that Lena Dunham admitting to molesting her younger sibling was initially started on Truth Revolt. Oh, shit. So that's the connection here. This Truth Revolt started this claim about Lena Dunham. I should have seen it coming, but somehow they snuck it in on me. It's true. And I should probably say that something that we know about disinformation and the way that it spreads, oftentimes it contains some element or nugget of truth that can be easily manipulated or taken out of context. And that is definitely what's happening here. So let's look at the facts. In September 2014, Lena Dunham released her memoir, Not That Kind of Girl. Now, I have read the memoir a couple of times, so like I'm pretty well versed on what it says and what it doesn't say. And it does include passages of Lena describing sexual situations around her younger sibling. I should say right now, Lena's sibling is called Cyrus Grace Dunham and uses they, them pronouns. But that was not the case when this memoir was published. But as I read some quotes from the memoir, I'm going to amend the quotes to reflect that. So Lena writes about trying to get her younger sibling to kiss her on the mouth and lay on top of her. As Cyrus Grace grew, I took to bribing them for time and affection. One dollar and quarters if I could do their makeup like a motorcycle chick. Three pieces of candy if I could kiss them on the lips for five seconds. Whatever they wanted to watch on TV if they would just relax on me. Basically, anything a sexual predator might do to woo a small suburban girl, I was trying. The memoir also includes this passage. Do we all have uteruses? I asked my mother when I was seven. Yes, she told me. We're born with them and with all of our eggs, but they start out very small and they aren't ready to make babies until we're older. I look at I look at my Cyrus Grace, now a slim, tough one-year-old, and at their tiny belly. I imagine eggs inside of them, like the sack of spider eggs in Charlotte's Web, and their uterus, the size of a thimble. Does their vagina look like mine? I guess so, my mother said, just smaller. One day, as I sat out in our driveway in Long Island, playing with blocks and buckets, my curiosity got the best of me. Cyrus Grace was sitting up, babbling and smiling, and I leaned down between the and I leaned down between their legs and carefully spread open their vagina. They didn't resist, and when I saw what was inside, I shrieked. My mother came running, Mama, Mama, Cyrus Grace has something in there. My mother didn't bother asking why I had opened Cyrus Grace's vagina. This was within the spectrum of things that I did. She just got on her knees and looked for herself. It quickly became apparent that Cyrus Grace had stuffed six or seven pebbles in there. My mother removed them patiently while Cyrus Grace cackled, thrilled that their prank had been a success. So the book actually does contain content that involves her describing these sexual situations with her, with her sibling. That is true. But she writes about doing this at age seven with her sibling, who was age one. On October 29th, 2014, about a month after her book had come out, Truth Revolt published the passage that I just read about the pebbles and the vagina under the headline, Lena Dunham describes sexually abusing her little sibling. Now, as Vox points out, Truth Revolt did two very misleading things in their post calling Dunham a sexual abuser. One, they really keyed in on this phrase, they didn't resist, which obviously becomes a lot more loaded when paired with the headline about sexually abusing her sibling. Two, and this is really important, Truth Revolt's article originally stated that Dunham was 17 at the time, 
when Dunham, in actuality, said that she was seven. So obviously, if you have a 17-year-old describing these kinds of interactions with a one-year-old, it is a very different situation than if you have a seven-year-old, which she actually says was her age, doing them with someone who is one. Yeah, 17 and seven are pretty different there. Pretty different. So Truth Revolt eventually does say that it was a typo. I guess that that's fine. Uh, the story is then linked to by the Drudge Report, which if you don't know what that is because you're not older like myself, uh, it's basically a right-wing news aggregator that can really blow up stories. It was the first place to publish the Bill Clinton scandal involving intern Monica Lewinsky back in 1998. Once it's picked up by the Drudge Report, the story gets a ton more traction. It makes the rounds on, you know, Truth Revolt is kind of a niche site. It makes the rounds on the wider right-wing blog and infosphere. And much bigger right-wing outlets begin to pick it up. The National Review's Kevin Williamson, for instance, declared, there is no non-horrific interpretation of this episode. And The Daily Caller, another conservative outlet, writes, Dunham had admitted to the, quote, gleeful sexual abuse of her infant sibling. Now, that is initially really what seeded the whole Lena Dunham sexually abused her sibling narrative. And now it's out in the wider right-wing blogosphere, infosphere, and now it is a thing. It's so salacious. It almost feels like tailor-made for these kind of right-wing outrage aggregators. I mean, that is such a commonality of disinformation, and it's something that I have to remember myself quite a bit. It's not just folks on the right. I'm speaking about everybody, myself very much included, that when you have these stories that seem almost tailor-made to trigger certain things inside you or, or outrage you in a certain kind of way, those are always stories that you should be a little bit wary of because it's no, not a coincidence that they are hitting you in this particular way. Yeah, right. And you've mentioned that, uh, guests have mentioned that on the show, talking about ways to combat disinformation. Like when you're feeling that emotional reaction, that should almost be a signal to like step back and evaluate like who is writing this? Where am I reading this? Is this something that I want to share? Exactly. And that's one of the elements about this that I find so fascinating is how Obviously, if you are Ben Shapiro or a right winger who has endured the last few years where it seems like progressivism and diversity and feminism and sexuality are all things that are becoming more and more salient and you're feeling less and less in control and less and less relevant and these things are becoming more and more relevant, I can see why that would prime somebody who is a right winger who feels kind of threatened by this. I could see how that would prime them to believe and amplify and spread this particularly damaging lie about Lena Dunham. However, what I find so fascinating about this is the way that didn't just stay in right-wing circles, it made the rounds and it, it still persists today. And so I think, you know, this is might be a good place to take a little break and we'll continue this conversation in the next episode. So next week, we'll get into Lena and her siblings' response and why this particular claim got such traction and was so sticky with so many people, not just the right-wing online spaces where it started. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. 
It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discovery.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.